Hi, everybody. Welcome so much to the latest edition of Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we thank you for listening today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we thought that we would talk about uh, the third step since this is the third month. And one of our intentions that we set when we first started working together was we could, you know, do a step a month and sort of I think we may have forgot that in January and February, but... Yeah, I was kind of (laughs) sick and we weren't doing a lot. But we're back, so here we go. Yes, 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 yes. So, Elizabeth, what does the third step say? The third step says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us. No, that's ten. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, period. Period. You know, and I wanted to say, so year, my experience with this years ago, I was um, in withdrawal from um, my qualifier in SLAA, and I, had, I was like in tears, and I called somebody, not in SLA, but in AA for support. And I was telling her what was going on, and she says, well, it sounds like you need to um, you know, do a little third step work. And she said the, you know, she brought up this point to me that the third step work is the verb, is the verb portion of the step. And that all of the steps have a verb phrase and that the verb phrase is made a decision. She said, you need to make a decision, make a decision to stop this relationship, make a decision to be different, make a decision to create this change in your life and it stuck with me I I use it all the time myself because I do I think that all of those in the first three Mm -hmm. steps we admitted Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. came to believe Mm -hmm. and three is made a decision Mm -hmm. right right I like that thing when they talk about steps one two and three I came I came to uh, what how is it I came I came I came to I came came to to believe. believe that's right and so it's like a, a beautiful sort of three-step process that I love about it. And making a decision is just a simple thing that you can do. And it's really important to do that. And I also love the third step prayer that uh, is out there. And I'll read that. Uh, and this, I think, is from page 62, I think, of the big book. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. That's great. I always forget that, and I have to read it. And to our listeners, Elizabeth was able to rattle it off, and she got like 90% done, and she's like, and then something at the end, but you know, she got the meat of it. And uh, that's a real testament to her badassery, because she's just really badass, so I love that. I think the thing is, is, and thank you for the, I do love to be a badass, it sounds so powerful, Mm. but I do love that part of the steps where, because I always thought that like, you know, people would say, well, you need to turn it over. Well, turn it over. What the hell does that mean? How? I need, I want to do something tactical. I want, 
and correct. I want to do something to relieve me of my pain or yeah. to get me out of that addicty cycle. And made a decision was like, it just feels like so much more action oriented and it, that I understand. Make a decision. All right, well, how do I make a decision? Pros and cons. That's written work. I can do that. That's tactical. That's some, you know. Right, and, and just as we're talking, I really feel like I can apply that for my weight loss because I have a back issue that I know will be so lessened if I can lose some weight. And making a decision is about like really getting serious about it and then just saying, I'm going to find a plan, I'm going to do my prayer, whatever it is, but I'm freaking going to turn this over to my God and, you know, really work on it in a specific, really intentful way. And so making a decision is like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I raise my hand. Right. I commit. I commit. It is. It's almost like make a decision and commit to it, you know, and that's what it feels like. And you and I have the similar personalities like that we're a little, uh, you know, striving to be the best and like, you know, um, type A's, a little, not all completely. I, I'm recovering from that. I'm getting better, <laughs> yeah. It used to be so much worse, yeah. But I always want to be the best. I do. And I, when I do something, I want to I wanna be able to do it, especially if I'm telling somebody. And that, it, you know, having that conversation with her outside, you know, somebody that wasn't in SLAW and didn't ever work a SLAW program, but understood program principles and everything that goes with it. And it really, it, you know, it was very powerful for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it can always go back if I'm struggling. Like we talked about acceptance is the key last time. And I think this ties in with it where if we do turn it over to our higher power, made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understood God, and that you know that there's a partnership involved with that, that it's not just me that gets to do it. It's you know someone who's like you know this power that's so much greater than I am. And when I first got into um, twelve step program, I was very much an atheist. And I didn't even like the font on the walls, you know, that churchy font, you know, let go and let God, fuck that font, you know. <laughs> to thine own self be true. Oh, yeah, I can see that up. big T, yeah. Yes, yeah. and live and let live. And that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I was very, very opposed to the churchy font and all those different posters because I was such an atheist and there was um, a man in the meeting place I used to go to that was an atheist as well and and I used to ask him and his name was Doug M and I used to ask him I'm like Doug how do you reconcile all this especially when people are saying the Lord's Prayer he goes I just go blah 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 in my head but when it came down to doing the work like the third step turn my life and will over to the care of God as I understood God his sponsor gave him like a really interesting um, answer when Doug M said, you know, how do I do that if I don't believe in a God? And his sponsor said, you're going to have to figure that out. And it was like putting it on him because it's like we get to determine how and what our higher power is. And for me, at the beginning, it was the wisdom of old timers it was uh, 
how something might have come through what someone said. And now I believe that God is within each of us Mm -hmm. and that that's where wisdom can come from. It's certainly not within me and not necessarily in another person because I don't want to make another person my higher power, but I can hear God speak through other people. And so when I, and that's why I love going to meetings and hearing uh, things and and uh, and then just being in program for so long, I can remember there was a, a a person that when first got into recovery was so angry and just so bitter. And every time she talked, she was railing against this and railing against that. And she was the victim of whatever. And I remember seeing her like 16 years later, and she was like so calm and so chill, like 16 years of sobriety. And so seeing that gives me encouragement that when I do turn it over, make a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God, that it's going to be so much better. And do you know that phrase, my best thinking got me here? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a real spiritual step, but it's also a very simple step. Well, it is. But I think, though, too, if you're not used to forward thinking. So one the way that I have um, and what I worked a third step and that I have my sponsees work it is um, to take your life and divide it up in in sections so um, love life money career family social health and then take each one of those sections and meditate on if you gave that portion of your life to God if you gave God your finances what would it look like what does your higher power, whatever it is, what does the universe want for you? And so I do think that there is an element of being able to sort of know what you're really created for. Mm. It For me, anyway. Because mm. mm. I don't want to, like, wherever I was when I started working this program was not where I felt like God wanted me. I knew that. I was in a deep freaking hole. And filled with sludge and dirt and, it, ooh, you know, it was bad. And coming out of it, it's like, I got the, to the, I mean, where I am now, I would not have thought of. I would not have been able to see myself here. But what I could see, and I've talked about this before in here, is that I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew that I wanted to like have a day where I went, oh, I haven't thought about him. And that was forward enough thinking for me to be like, okay, you know, that's one of the things that I want. In my love life, I want to have freedom. I, I, I know that I have a week or a month or a year or whatever without obsessing about this dude anymore, you know. So I think that there... It, you know, I can complicate everything <laughs> and do at times. But I really like the spiritual aspect of the program. I didn't when I came in like you. Mm. I didn't like any of those stupid slogans. I thought they were all idiotic. I thought I was way more intelligent than anything that I wrote, I right. read. Like it was so simplistic. Yes. And- it was, uh, I thought it was patronizing. It was just like, Juvenile. You know, yeah. 
Elementary. Like, just live and let live, you know? And I was like, if I could have done that... I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this jam. <laughs> right? Come on. Come on. But it's there's such power in all of that. I mean, now I look at it and read the big book and go like, it's fucking genius. It's amazing. It's brilliant. It's amazing. And it works. And, you know, I, I talk to people that if they're curious about a program or curious about like let's say landmark forum or women within or the mankind project and i'm like you know there's gold in them their heels you know go suss it out go figure it out find out what you need if you feel like you're not getting enough from from 12-step recovery and and i've done a lot of that work and gone out and found it but um the thing that is sustaining for me and what i see continue to work for me and for others is 12-step recovery and it's um and, and you know other people have found other things that work for them so i'm not saying it's the only way out there but for me it's been such an amazing experience for me because like you know and i've heard old timers say you know it's a simple program it's not easy but it's a simple program and I think with SLAA, there's a, a little bit of a bigger complication because it's not just giving up alcohol, it's giving up obsession to a person and um, an obsession around sex and love. And that's a little bit more, it's a gray area, it's not as discreet. And also, I, I, I like to say the alcohol doesn't talk back. But when you're in relationship with someone, they may have something to say about you going into no contact or you... Yeah, alcohol doesn't come over and knock at your door at 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. You know? But your qualifier may. Right. You know? and, so, yeah, there yeah. is that. There's a lot of gray area. And you're the same stuff that has you hooked to a lover could also have you hooked to a friend. A family member. Yes. I know many, many people in SLAA that are addicted to their mothers, to their fathers, to their parents. Right. And so how how that that that's really interesting because you know we're getting a little bit off. Maybe not the third step, but I remember there was someone that was in SLAW like years ago that had to go into no contact with her husband, even though she had joint custody with him. And it was like, how do you do that? what's that process like because she knew she had he was her qualifier right. and whatever but you know she had to have business transactions with him so that's a little bit of a even you know uh, more slippery slope and I mean and, and I think you've talked about it before that you had to work with your qualifier right so once again it's sort of like you can't go into total absolute no contact so how are you able to do that and energetically ah uh, it's and it's through the thinking did you make a decision i made a decision i did i knew so this is the story about that my a coworker told me you look like a deer in the headlights when he's standing in front of your desk so this is the you know this was the pattern i would be sitting at my desk working and he would come and stand in front of me and i would be mesmerized and it was the mesmerizing effect came from his energy as connecting with our thoughts. So I'm sitting there thinking about, is he going to ask me, ask to see me? Is he going to call me tonight? Is he going to touch me? Is he going to, you know, ask me to go walk with him somewhere? Is he going to, all of that stuff. And he's thinking whatever his thoughts are back. 
And those, those, it was like, you know, it was like two really, really strong magnets. And when my friend said that to me, my colleague pointed that out, at first I was like, ah, that's so funny. And then I, but when I was got really serious and made the decision, I thought, what is it that causes that? What is it that makes me look like a deer in the headlights? And then I knew it's what I'm thinking. He's mm-hmm. as drawn to me as I am to him because of mm-hmm. I'm creating this energy towards him. I can't, mm, I can't wait until you touch me again or call me. I want to be with you. I want, I love you. God, your lips look so sexy. And I bet and, that you know chemically you were throwing off oh, all these yes. chemical markers. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So yes, and when in the beginning. I couldn't do it. And so he would walk up to the desk. I would get up and leave and leave him standing there. And I would go into another cubicle and just weep. I mean, sob. And why were you crying? Because I didn't want to hurt him. Because it didn't, it was like breaking that, it was breaking it. It was withdrawal. And so then I would go back to my desk and sit there and be, and wait a little while. And I wanted to, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I, I, you know, but I didn't. And I sat with the discomfort and the next day I came back and I had to do that like, I don't know, three, five times. And eventually he stopped. Well, he wasn't getting getting rewarded. It right. was the it was feedback that, loop. And he wasn't getting what he It was he the needed. break. Yeah. It was the break. It was the break in the current. It was like this between us and I broke it. I broke it. Well, I'm just so glad that my qualifiers weren't engaged with me at that level because when I broke it, they were like, fine, girl, go on. There, there was like, <laughs> it wasn't, they were like, they had plenty of other, you know, women on the line, I guess. And I'm so grateful and so blessed that I didn't have that. But I remember you working through an issue with me when I was going into no contact. And for our listeners in SLAA, when a, what sobriety means for me included going into no contact with all these qualifiers and for a period of time for almost a year it was recommended to me all men because I'm straight and I'm attracted to men and even gay men that was what was uh, put on me and uh, and the reason why is because I can engage with someone who's just a guy friend or I can engage and flirt and be sexually uh, inappropriate with a gay man because that's my my uh, target, and uh, and so I had a guy friend that I said to him, I said I'm not going to be able to talk or have communication with you, and because you had told me, listen, you're going to have to do this deal, and he was like, okay, I understand, and I want to support you, and it was so strange to me that, to have a friend that was going to be that loving to be able to understand that I needed this space and then you said okay well now that I know that you're willing you can be friends with him however it's going to be difficult and I was like how is it going to be difficult and sure enough he started giving me these full-on full body hugs and I was like this guy is built and I started objectifying him, and I started like thinking about his body in a non-friendship kind of way. And I talked with you about it, and you were like, side hugs. you got to start doing side hugs. 
And so I was like really fascinated about how my sick little mind was able to go that route quickly. And so I think it's so important in program that we have, that I have to, I'll stick with I statements, that it's so important for me to bring in a higher power, something outside of myself, because left to my own devices, I'm going to like, you know, start humping on my best friend. Well, the, the addict wants what the addict wants, and the addict will try whatever, it, you know, and that's why the no contact is so important, because you need to starve it so that it dies. And it doesn't. And that's what withdrawal is about. That's what right? withdrawal is for: is to you know create that space so that you can learn, you can live without this energy, without this fix, and then teach you how to get that fix from healthy things, you right. know, like relationships that are not sexually charged, or you're not creating a charge that are based on love and emotional connection, happiness. I liken it to sort of like eating fruit instead of sugar (laughs) because it's like I don't get like the zing from the fruit that I do from like eating cake or candy candy yeah because it's not white sugar you know there's still sugar in fruit and it will satisfy that but it's not as instant and it's not as sustaining as white sugar but I wanted to talk a little bit about that like that thing where you're starting to get your needs met you know from the the wrong source you know mm-hmm. and we because we do that and that's what we do like that's what I was talking about with if you are enmeshed with your mother or enmeshed with a friend I had a sponsee daughter or husband or a sibling anybody yeah. I have a sponsee who was enmeshed with um, a friend and I knew nothing about this until we'd been working together over a year and she started telling me about this friend she had. And I was like, well, how many times a day do you guys talk? She's like, well, I don't know, like five or six. Well, I was like, five, five or six times a day, every day? What the hell are you talking about? You know, I was like, what are you, you oh this is nuts. Yeah. So we started dismantling this relationship and started pulling it apart. And, you know, I was like, look. This is addictive, and I'm not going to say right now that you need to create no contact and and stop, but I want you to think about the nature of this relationship and see if it's fitting in with your, 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 your bottom line behaviors. If you take it and apply it to a guy, it's the exact same thing. They were having a lot of very sexual conversations. They were talking about um, each other's sexual escapades and sharing that information. And you know they, and that feeds into euphoric recall. Where absolutely, you might as well just be doing it because you're. It's creating the same, you know, the same pheromones. You know, it's doing the same thing. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. over and over again. And then they're doing it five or six times a day. It's like just using, you know, that that method instead of the qualifier. Sure. Well, I can remember when I knew I needed slaw that I was sitting at my desk at work in euphoric recall and I was so high. And I remember like the sensations of just, you know, the flush and just the giddiness and all of it, you know, the euphoria. And I was just like, oh my God, because I just started going to Slaw and I'm like, this is it. This is the deal. And so, you know, Slaw, S-L-A-A is I think so much more insidious because 
I don't have to go out and buy me a 40 ounce. I don't no, have you can sit to. right there and do it. Right. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, is that, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say when you were talking about the euphoric recall. I was sitting there and I was talking about how I could just sit there and get high and we do it all the time, or I did it all the time, that that was part and parcel of my addiction. And I used to, when I was a teenager, I would journal about it. And I, rem- I was creating my own pornography. So I could go back, once I came home from any kind of sexual experience, I would like write it down in detail. <laughs> so I could, so I could relive it again. Right, and again. right, right, right. It's, yeah, I had, I had, I don't even know, I had so many journals. I put them all out on my bed one day, looking at them, picking them up, then reading them, like four years of journals, writing the same thing. Where is he? This is what he said to me today. I haven't heard from him for 10 days. Why won't he call me? Why won't he love me? When will he love me? Maybe this means he loves me. It was just like, you know, pages and pages of the same thing. And I was like, I am done writing this. I'm done doing this over and over again. Yeah, I burned mine when I left to go to college. I like put all my stuff, burned it, got rid of it. But I wanted to talk a little bit about like go back and kind of wrap things up Mm -hmm. because... So if you're listening because you have worked a step one and two, or you're trying to get information on how to work a step three, um, the way that I have my sponsees do it is to make a list of, I call it an abandonment list, of the areas of their life that they're willing to turn over to God. And they include, like I said, love life, relationships, work, money, health, family, social, et cetera, et cetera. And then take each one of those areas and meditate. If I gave this particular area over to the care of God, what would it look like? So almost doing like law of attraction visualization. Around each area. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yes. That's beautiful. And I just got the new workbook for the SLAA approved work steps. And so I didn't bring it today. I'm a bad podcaster. Because I was going to like, you know, uh, talk about it, but it's okay. It happens to be the divine way that it all works out. It's just fine. So if you're interested in that, you can go to uh, the Fellowship Wide Services and look at the new uh, step workbook that's out there and order that. It's really good. It's so much shorter than some other ones that I've done, and, uh, and it's really good. And use Elizabeth's as well and do it all because it's all important. Or get a sponsor, you know, bring it up at a meeting. How do you work a third step? What is, is there written work? Like I said, um, in each of the steps I have tactical exercises. Mm-hmm. I need to do written work mm-hmm. and then my sponsees share that with me or I do that with my sponsor. And it's, it, that's what works for me. Right. And... My life today as a result of working the steps is like, I don't even think I could have ever imagined what my life is like today. And what my life is like today is about an emotional peace that I'd never had growing up, definitely, never. And then as my young adulthood, and then as I went through my 20s and 30s and 40s, because I really came into this program when I was like 45. And just what was going on in my head and how I felt, I I never imagined, I I did not know that this feeling could exist. And what I feel today is just a sense of calmness 
Most days, a sense that I know it's going to work out fine. Most days, I'm just like, oh, okay, really? And I'm really relaxed and chill, and there's very little that can kind of push me off my center. I do get pushed off center, people. I don't want you to think that I don't. But I know right how to quickly get back to this place. Because once I have, once I've found this energy and this, um, you know, way of feeling, it's where I want to live for the rest of my life. So I'm so grateful. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you, all of our, all of our listeners. And um, if you want to email us, you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at SoberSistersTalk.com. And we're also on Facebook. And we have a Facebook page, Sober Sisters Talk on Facebook. It's a business page. Please, you can find all of our um, podcasts on there. And if so inclined, um, what I do, because it's so challenging because of the nature of our podcast, you know, I do put them out there publicly. This is my podcast, but I'm out. But I send them to, when I send it to people, and I think it's specifically, I send it as a private message. So if you know somebody that you think could benefit, please send a private message because it does help us um, when we get our downloads to um, increase our, our, our stretch. And this is just another tool to keep your ass sober. Heck yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.